0: We're adding more people to our worship team and we're so excited about it. Sister Hannah joined us today and singing with Sister Gale, so... uh, We're certainly happy to see what God is doing among all of us, and uh, we're certainly happy... Many of you are rolling up your sleeves and asking the Lord, what would you like me to do for you, God? Amen. Well, today we're going to go back to Philippians. We're now in the last chapter of Philippians, and I would imagine that in February we we will complete this book. There may be a few more sermons coming from it, uh, but we are coming to the final stretch of things. uh, But we're certainly hitting a great topic here today. The sermon title today is Finding Peace. Finding Peace. And we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 2 to 7. right, and if you have found that, can we all stand together as I read this today? Beginning at verse 2, now Paul says, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Finding peace. Recall with me for a moment the opening chapter of Philippians, chapter 1. In that chapter, Paul introduced three wonderful treasures in the Christian's heart. Gifts from the Lord to each that believe in Him. And those three gifts are love, joy, and peace. In fact, if you remember from Philippians chapter 1, We might have difficulty with this slideshow here today but recall with me from chapter 1 and you'll remember that first of all in chapter 1 verse 2 maybe i should go ahead and turn to it myself in verse 2 paul says grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ and then in verse 4 he talks about praying for the philippians and he says in this prayer always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy and then in verse nine and this i pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge so in that opening chapter paul mentions these three wonderful treasures love joy and peace and as you go through this letter, he expounds on love. And he expounds on joy. In fact, joy is the never-ending song of this entire letter to the Philippians. Well, now today in chapter 4, Paul will expound on peace. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit's timing is always perfect. And so since I'm preaching about I wonder how many of you today need peace in a situation in a relationship in your spiritual life how many of us need peace how many of us need those anxious stirrings of the heart to cease and for all the mind and all the thoughts that race in our mind and keep us up at night how many of us need the thoughts of our mind to settle down how many of us feel like a disciple in the boat tossed back and forth by the storm and waves and we just need Jesus to step up and to speak in that storm and say peace be still how many of us need that peace well in today's text it's all about finding peace whether it's in our church relationships or in relationships that we have outside of church and also peace in the cares and concerns of life paul teaches us about finding peace and finding it in three ways through unity through gentleness and through prayer and that's today's topic or that's today's outline finding peace through number one unity through number two, gentleness, and number three, through prayer. So if you need peace today, listen closely to what the Holy Spirit has to say. Paul has been talking a lot through this letter, talking a lot about the need for unity, the need for love, the need for humility, and now we get a glimpse into the Philippian church and we find out at least one reason why Paul keeps talking about being united, loving each other, and being humble. So number one, let's look at this, finding peace through unity. This first section we deal with concerns with peace in the church. Do you remember Epaphroditus from chapter 2? It was the man that brought the gift of Philippi all the way to Paul in Rome, and he got sick He almost died but he recovered and then in chapter 2 paul says i'm sending epaphroditus back to you philippi that you may rejoice when you see him again but also epaphroditus is going with the letter of philippians in his hand the scroll has been written it's been sealed and now he's bringing it back to the church of philippi and so imagine epaphroditus arrives home they're so happy to see him They embrace him, so glad to see him doing well. And everybody wants to know what's going on with Paul. How's he doing? How's he feeling? What about his prison? What's going to be the outcome? So Epaphroditus just says, come on in. I have a letter. It will explain everything. And so as the congregation of Philippi is coming into their meeting place and sitting down, there are two ladies that enter in. And these two ladies purposely sit as far away from each other as they can. Maybe upon entering the place, they gave each other an evil look. Maybe whispered something in somebody else's ear. And then they took their place on opposite sides of the room. Their names, Euodia and Syntyche. Now, we don't know what happened to these two ladies. Evidently something there was some sort of disagreement between them we don't know what it was maybe something concerning a ministry of the church maybe in concerning what we're going to do to take care of paul who are we going to send what are we going to send it may have been what color drapes should we put on the windows of our sanctuary how many seats should we set up for the sanctuary the church service whatever it was these two ladies had a disagreement And it didn't remain a disagreement. It became a division that got worse. Just like any small crack that you may have in a window pane or in the block of an engine in the car, that small, insignificant crack, just give it time and added pressure, and everything will break in the end. It will be damaged beyond repair. And that's what was happening with these two ladies. So Epaphroditus opens this letter of Paul. He begins to read, and he's reading all about joy. Joy. Euodia and Syntyche, they haven't experienced joy ever since their fallout. And there's been no peace in their lives. No peace at home. No peace at the dinner table. No peace for their husbands who have to hear the newest complaints they have of each other. No peace at bedtime because neither woman is able to sleep so mad at the other. Even the children of these families have overheard what's been going on and now they're involved. You know, many times we as parents, we think The kids don't really know what's happening in us, the parents. I can tell you, they know. They can see it in you. They can hear it, maybe not in your words, but in the tone of your voice. Our kids always know there's something going on with mom and dad. It's not hidden. Maybe these two ladies were a part of the same connect group, but no longer. And now the whole church is aware of their bitterness toward each other. Epaphroditus continues reading a lot about loving each other, a lot about unity, being of the same mind, demonstrating humility, and now all of a sudden, Euodia and syntyche, and they feel like their toes are getting stepped on. They're asking themselves, wait a minute, is he talking about me? Maybe about Euodia, but not me. Or maybe syntyche, but not me. Did Epaphroditus go to Paul and blabble and and tattletale on what's going on with us? What's happening here? You ever felt like that? In fact, I know you have. Some of you have. Because there are times when I have preached the sermon, and then either immediately after the sermon or later on in the week, someone will tell me that everything I said was piercing right through their heart. And it was as though I was preaching right to that person. I've even had husbands say to me, did my wife tell you what I was going through? (laughs) And I've told everyone, and I say it again, if I'm preaching a sermon, and you feel like, wow, I think he's talking to me. Wow, does he know about what I'm going through? Who told him? I can assure you I have no idea. I'm just preaching what the Word of God says. But I can assure you, It's the Holy Spirit stepping on your toes. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. So the moment you begin to feel, wow, I think he's talking to me, listen up. Epaphroditus, he takes a big glance around at the room and he spots Euodia and he spots Syntyche. He sees the smoke coming out of their ears. So he takes a deep breath and he reads the following i implore Euodia and i implore syntyche to be of the same mind in the lord unite yourselves in the name of the lord in honor of the lord oh and now everybody's eyes are on these two ladies and if these two ladies could just melt into the floor and hide they would you can imagine blushed faces. Maybe Euodia's lips are beginning to... quiver. maybe Sintikaya is allowing some tears... Decay streaming out of her eyes. It's an embarrassing moment. But Paul so wonderfully softens the blow and reminds them to be of the same mind in the Lord. And oh, how these two need the Lord. And the Lord is always ready to help in time of need. What Paul is doing is trying to get these two ladies to think about the Lord. Because when two individuals in the church are focused on the one same Lord and Savior, there will be unity and peace between them. But the moment one of them or both of them begin looking somewhere else and care more about their own ambitions, about what they want to do, about what they want to accomplish their eyes are no longer on jesus and that will bring out division so paul says i implore you both be of the same mind in the lord be united in the one purpose of life and the one purpose of the church to glorify god not to glorify Euodia or syndicate but god And he also says, this is interesting, I urge you also, true companion, help these women. Now when he says that, that I urge you, he's not talking about the group of Philippians. This is a single person he's talking about. We don't know who it is. But he calls them true companion. Who is that? Some people believe that it may be Epaphroditus. As a pastor of the church Paul is speaking to him to take on the responsibility of bringing these two ladies back together again others believe it's a someone else someone else in the church that perhaps has the ministry of reconciliation and yet others believe true companion may actually be one of the companions of one of these ladies meaning their husband Whoever he's talking to, the point is, there must be peacemakers in the church. Peacemakers. Whether it's the pastor, a brother or sister in Christ, or a husband or wife, there must be someone to bring those people together to facilitate a time of forgiveness and healing for one another as a pastor it is wrong to turn a blind eye to a brother and sister or anyone who may be going through a hurt in the church or who may be having a disagreement that's leading to argument it would be wrong for the pastor to just look away and ignore it it is never okay to just stand by and watch these things happen You might say, yeah, but it's just a little argument between two people. Remember what happens to cracks in time and with pressure. It gets worse. And maybe he's talking to one of the husbands, or maybe the only husband of these two. Husbands, it is never okay to ignore your wife's hurts and her pains and her sufferings it's never okay to turn your blind eye to a wife who may have may be at fault with something maybe she made a mistake husband be a husband and lead your wife to christ to find healing and forgiveness we are to be peacemakers jesus said blessed are the peacemakers Paul also says about these two ladies, they labored with me in the gospel. Oh, there was a time when these two, they worked together and they worked well because they had one thing in common, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever we can do, Paul, whatever we can do for you or for the advancement of the gospel, we're here for you to work together. And they did it so well. And now he's asking them along with this man, Clement, Remember how well you once worked together when you had a single goal in mind. He also says to them, Wonderfully, your names are in the book of life. Remember that, church. Your names are written in the book of life. So you didn't get your way, you odia. At least your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And so your ideas weren't appreciated, Syndicate. You felt left out. You felt like you were ignored. But your name is written in the book of life. Thank the Lord you weren't left out of that. You weren't ignored. You were saved by the same Savior and Lord that so graciously saved Euodia. Perhaps there's nothing more unifying than this truth. Brothers and sisters, our names are written in the book of life. Not our works, because that's not what saved us. We trusted in Jesus, and the name Arnold has been written by Jesus. And the name Nanik has been written by Jesus. What a glorious, wonderful thought. And that should unite all of us. We are all saved by the one Savior and Lord. Oh, ladies, you've done so many great works for the Lord, but nothing compares, you Odia and Syntike. Nothing compares to the fact that your names are in the book of life do you remember the story of Jesus sending out many disciples 70 of them two by two and he told them to go out through the cities and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God and to minister to people pray for people they would heal and deliver people from demonic possessions all kinds of things and they went out and did, did as Jesus commanded them and then they all came back so excited filled with joy they said Jesus even the demons are subject to us in your name and do you know what Jesus said in return he said nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven and so no wonder why Paul's very next words are rejoice in the Lord always and I will say it again rejoice if only we the people of God could learn to rejoice in Christ to rejoice that we are saved to rejoice that our names are written in his book to rejoice that we have everlasting life in that rejoicing itself It would unite us under the one savior and lord jesus christ unity in our focus on jesus unity in the fact that we are all in the book of life unity in rejoicing and through it all we find peace in the body of christ amen amen secondly Paul speaks of gentleness this is now the second section and this topic now concerns peace outside of church peace in your relationships that are outside these four walls in your extended family in your workplace and beyond so now Paul says let your gentleness be known to all men the lord is at hand gentleness when we think of gentleness we think of being kind towards someone we think of speaking softly toward someone not looking to offend anybody but being kind and gracious in the way that we speak and treat others being gentle soft to the touch but gentleness here It also means to be yielded. That's okay. It means yieldedness. Praise God, I have a big voice. It means yieldedness. Therefore, we are to yield to one another. We are to give others the right of way in life. What does that look like, to yield? Simple things. Gentlemen. When you're walking to a door, and there's a lady with you, you open the door for that lady. Amen, ladies? Oh, I can hear you now. That's, That's better. Gentleness, yielding. When you let someone in front of you at the line, the checkout line, it's a hard thing to do, especially when they have a lot of stuff. You know you're going to be waiting longer. But we're called to yield our spot to someone else to be kind. Yieldedness, when you stop your work in order to help somebody else who's in need. It's when you keep quiet instead of lashing out and saying something nasty to someone that just offended you. Gentleness, yielding. It's when you humble yourself for the sake of peace. Now I know with many of the things I just said, that doesn't seem like the right thing to do sometimes. It doesn't seem like earthly wisdom, to always humble ourselves, to make ourselves low, to always be yielding to others. And you're right, it's not earthly wisdom. It's heavenly wisdom. It may not make sense in your situation, but it's heavenly wisdom. And we are told to apply it in our lives. That's the warning. James chapter 3 verse 17. James says this about heavenly wisdom. He says that it is from above and it's first pure. And then peaceable. And then gentle and willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Look at that. That is the wisdom from heaven. These things may not make sense to us. Sometimes to humble ourselves before someone else, you might say, yeah, but you have no idea what they said to me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they're capable of. And you're right, I don't but heaven says wisdom is this first of all it's pure it is true and it's what we need to base our life on we are to be peaceable gentle and willing to yield be full of mercy and good fruits and don't treat somebody else better than anyone else treat everybody with equity fairness and don't be a hypocrite this is the wisdom from heaven now yesterday I was thinking about this verse about gentleness and thinking about the things that I just said and I thought well you know what it it almost seems like there may be what seems like a contradiction in the Bible because we are told to be gentle and merciful and kind and yielding But doesn't Paul also say that we must fight the good fight of faith? That we are to stand and to defend the word of God, defend our faith, defend the truth of salvation. We are to proclaim it and not compromise. Well, can you do both? Can you be zealous and passionate for the truth of God, fighting the good fight and be gentle at the same time? that might seem like a contradiction but to me it is not and one story in the Bible that I remember is this do you remember in the Gospel of John John is talking about the first Passover in this story the first Passover where John begins to write his Gospel Jesus went to Jerusalem and when he went to the temple he found that they were selling animals and exchanging money why to help the worshipers no to take advantage of the worshipers and make some money they were literally opening up businesses within the house of God and so what did Jesus do passionate for the truth pure in truth zealous for the things of his father he made a whip and he kicked everybody out another time he even overturned the tables and the money scattered and the birds flew away and you think wow that doesn't seem too gentle I mean I see where that's fighting the good fight being passionate for the things of God but is Jesus gentle in doing that the answer is yes because if you continue reading the leaders of the Jews who were there the Pharisees oh many of them were angry Not that he did such things, but he claimed to have the authority to do such things. And they were questioning that authority. Who do you think you are? Where does this authority come from? They were so offended by that authority of Jesus Christ. Many of them were mad at him. But not too long afterward, there was another Pharisee, a powerful Pharisee named Nicodemus. Nicodemus witnessed these things that Jesus did and he began to believe in who Jesus was. And do you know who Nicodemus went to? He didn't go to John or Peter or to Mary Magdalene. He didn't go to another follower of Jesus to find out about Jesus, he went to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus was always approachable. Jesus was always stretching out the hands of invitation And even though what he did seemed like a a strange thing to do, yet Nicodemus saw a gentleness in Jesus, so much so that he knew I can approach this man and I can ask him deep questions. And in that conversation, Jesus revealed to him the truth of being born again. Now, why do I say all that? Well, because fighting the good fight, standing up for the gospel and truth, it's one thing to Debate with somebody and try to win the argument. Try to show them that what the Bible says is true. And it's one thing if you win the argument. And maybe even that person will feel a bit convicted that, wow, that is the truth. But if you come across as arrogant, hurtful, rude, disrespectful, not gentle and unyielding, Do you think that person will come to you and ask you help me receive Jesus probably not they may look elsewhere or find nobody to talk to we must be zealous for the things of God fight the good fight but always do it with gentleness and mercy and care and love that way hopefully the day that that person wants to have that truth in them they will come to you because you like Christ are approachable amen that may be a side thought to today's sermon but maybe something to remember we can be zealous for God and we must always speak the truth but it's always in love and in mercy and in compassion amen and always remember the people that you're talking to you were once them and you needed somebody to show you Christ so do likewise Paul says let your gentleness be known to all men the Lord is at hand what does that mean the Lord is at hand it could mean talking about time or talking about place if it's talking about time Paul is saying once again the Lord is coming soon very soon just like last week we need to be mindful of that truth and be gentle knowing that Jesus is coming back soon but Paul may also be talking about place in other words wherever you go whatever you do whoever you're with Jesus is with you be gentle and remember the Lord is at your side and he watches over you he's there to guide and to comfort he's there to speak through you he's there to allow your hands to be his hands and your mouth to be his mouth either way we are to be gentle until the Lord returns how awful would it be if Jesus returned and he raptures us out while we are in the middle of bitterness toward another Christian or another person We're in the middle of an argument with somebody else. I don't want to be found in that way. And it's also important for us to remember the Lord is always with us. We are gentle for the Lord's sake. And if you do it for the Lord, I can promise you it will give you joy to do so. Last, number three, we find peace through prayer. This third and last section talks about peace that we find in life as we look to God Paul says wonderful verses be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God be anxious for nothing anxious means you're worried about so many things all the cares and concerns of life they often weigh you down and the more they weigh you down anxiety can actually stop you right where you are and you just can't seem to push on or press on ahead because you're worried about something you're fearful of something how many of you know what anxiety is like I do anybody else are you going to leave me by myself amen we all probably know what anxiety is like from time to time But Paul says, just as Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry. Jesus's message was don't worry because your father in heaven, he loves you. And if he takes care of the birds and of the flowers, how much more valuable are you in his eyes? God will take care of you. Don't be anxious and worried. When we are worried about something Paul tells us what we should do in everything pray give God our supplications and give thanks by prayer that means talk to God in your time of need go and talk to God you see how Paul says let your requests be made known to God do you think God already knows your needs before you come to him of course he does of course he does he knew all about it before you knew about it so why do we have to go to God and pray can't he just do something he wants us to come to him so that we will learn to trust in him that he will always be first in our mind when we are in need run to God run to God go tell God about it there's nothing too small or too great for God to hear He wants to hear everything going on in your life. So he says, come in and tell me all about it. There was a man who was a politician. And so he and his wife were well known in the city and they often had big gathering events at their home. They loved to entertain people. And they had a little boy, a a son. And every guest that would come into the house, the son didn't know any of them, but these strangers would come in they'd greet the little boy and they would press some coins into his hand as they shook it, or they pressed the dollar into his hand as they shook it. And over time, as you can imagine, he built up a nice little piggy bank, a money box in his room that he would empty his pockets into every time his parents had these gatherings. And on one such evening, guests came in, pressing those coins into his hands, putting them in his pockets, and then one man came in and sort of just looked at the boy and kept on going. Well, evidently this man didn't know the the tradition here about giving money. So the little boy went up to his room and got his money box. And he came down and stood in front of the man and shook the money box. And the man said, oh, I've got something for you. And he took out a coin and gave it to the boy. Well, with that, the father saw it. And the father went to his son and pulled him to the side. And he said, son, you are never to ask anything from a stranger whatever you need you come to me I will never cast you out because I am your dad and how true is that for us we may be so quick to run to some people or ask for something from others God says don't do that I'm your father I'm your dad I don't cast you aside I don't make you feel horrible about your request tell me about it show that you trust in me and so in our anxieties and worries in life the first thing we do is we go to God and tell him all about it and then we offer up supplication that's a little different than prayer supplication is when we we begin to express our needs and we make our requests and how often do those requests come with tears and Paul reminds us that when we pray and we make our requests known. Always, always give thanks. Always? Yes, always. God, my child is sick and my child needs your healing. And all oh, how I thank you for my child. And all oh, how I thank you that you love my child. Oh, I thank you that You are a father to this child. And you love my child even more than I do. Praise you, God. I praise you. God, in this situation that I'm going through right now, I need your help because I don't know what to do. Oh, and I give you thanks. Because I know that the places where I walk, you are directing my paths. I thank you, God, because you knew that I was going to go through this suffering. You knew it already. And I know that you already have a plan and I thank you for it and i thank you god that in the end of this difficult moment there will be good things in my life because that's your promise oh god thank you thank you that you hear me when i call thank you that you collect my tears in a bottle and you never forget my weepings thank you god for being faithful to me thank you for saving me thank you that my name is written in your book when your prayers are filled with thanks it lifts your spirits it helps you to see Christ on his throne and anxieties begin to dissipate Paul is not just saying this as a theological idea he practiced what he was preaching in every jail cell he sang and gave thanks to God Paul says by prayer and supplication with Thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and the peace of God the peace that is beyond understanding the peace where Jesus says I give this to you and no one can take it away it is peace wonderful wonderful peace and Paul says that this peace will guard your hearts Oh, your hearts that are so filled with worry, it will guard your heart. And your mind that is filled with so many thoughts from day after day, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. In closing, I love that word guard. Because that word guard is actually a military term it's a term used when a band of soldiers surround someone they put that person in a fortress or even in a prison and then they surround that person so that nobody can break in they're there to protect they're there to keep secure and Paul says that the peace of God will guard your hearts and guard your minds Paul the Apostle Paul in his prison cell in rome chained to his roman guards paul never flinched in the face of imprisonment and in the chains that were on his wrists he did not flinch over the guard of the roman empire that was surrounding him why because at all times and in all things he was guarded by the peace of god within that prison cell paul could say i am a prisoner of christ i'm a prisoner of the peace of god and this wall that god builds around me of peace no one can break in nothing can come in no one can steal me away no way nobody can undo what christ has done for me paul was a prisoner of the peace of god amen Musicians, join me here at the front. In a moment, we're going to sing an old hymn. And I know this hymn, as hymns often have, they're sometimes difficult English phrases. But let this hymn minister to your heart. And let's go to our Father today and ask Him for peace to guard our hearts and our minds. Through Jesus Christ, may we find peace, God's wonderful peace, through unity, through gentleness, and through prayer. Amen. Let's all stand together.